welcome to the Four Nations Report and Avatar Rewatch podcast. My name is Martha and I co-host a podcast called Martha and Colby Grow Up. I've seen every episode of Avatar and you can find me on Twitter at Martha underscore Vader. My name's Colby and I also co-host a podcast called Martha and Colby Grow Up as well as one called Never Mate Varsity. I have seen every episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. My name is Ariel and I co-host two podcasts, NB Asians and the Pop Culturist podcast. I have seen every episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. You can find me on Twitter at Portly Island Boy. No episode recap this week. We are in the final podcast episode, the wrap-up episode for the Four Nations Report. So Martha, why don't you take the lead? You are leading this discussion. Let's let's get our final thoughts on Yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender. All right. So uh, at the end of last week's episode, I asked two questions. And I think we'll start off with that. And then we'll go from there because I feel like, I don't know, it'll uh, it'll bring up some good things. So big question. What does this show mean to you? And, and I guess I can go first since I'm the one who asked it. But I, I don't know if... I have a good answer because I didn't watch the show when I was a kid. So I started watching the show, you know, during a pandemic. I was 26. Now I'm 27. Like, not not a really big age gain since I first watched it. But I, I think, really, I mean, it was just a fun time to, like, hang out with you guys every week and podcast about it and analyze it and you guys put up with me. Like, I, I think that's what that show means to me. And, like, it'll definitely be you know, a marker of this time for, for better or for worse, I guess. But like, okay, we watch, like I watched this during a pandemic. This is what I will remember about 2020 along with everything else. But I guess it's meaningful in that way in that it's like, yeah, we did something about it. Like we wanted to do this. It was on Netflix. We just went and, and we created this product. So I don't know. Yeah. I think that's what it means to me in, in a broader sense of the word, but uh, Colby, what about you? Avatar The Last Airbender was my first real, I, I guess if we aren't counting like Dragon Tales, like the first time I ever interacted with fantasy. And also the first time I ever was like a fan of something. So I, I think it'll always hold that place in my heart of the first time that I ever became like attached to something and wanted to be a part of like that world and wanted to learn everything about the thing. Um, as I've gotten older, I've learned that I probably just have ADHD. <laughs> but this is um this was my first time like uh like diving into a world that wasn't ours and it'll always be there for me if I ever want to go back to that space I can always come back and watch some Avatar and I'm right back where I was sitting on that nasty green recliner in my parents house <laughs> uh, watching the drill again for like the fourth time in a weekend what is the drill sorry I don't know what that is it's the episode with the drill oh. I paid attention Ariel what about you what does this show mean to you <laughs> Uh, so for me, this wasn't my first f foray into fantasy. I, um, by that point, had probably, I don't know, Dragon Ball Z was already out, for lack of a better word, right? Something 
something that big was was technically like fantasy Asian. Um, but I, I I do think that Avatar: The Last Airbender was my first foray into the fantasy epic uh, because. Lord of the Rings was not a super popular book to read for 12-year-olds, right? It used to be taught in high schools. By the time I got to high school, it wasn't taught there anymore. Um, I lived in a strict Christian household, so there was no Harry Potter for me growing up. That was not something I I was – I really read – um, and so this was kind of that first, you know, that first law, you know, it's not super long, but long form fantasy chosen one epic. And I, I think if as an adult, you look back and you're like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like Star Wars. But as a kid, um, Star Wars in your head is always sci-fi uh, just because they're spaceships, right? Uh, it's only when you get older, you realize that there's almost no sci-fi elements in star wars it's all fantasy magic type things it's it's much closer to lord of the rings and avatar and harry potter than it is but the midichlorians (laughs) um (laughs) than it is like blade runner star trek type stuff uh they're just not similar like star trek and star wars are not similar besides the fact that they have spaceships not similar at all so this was my first real fantasy epic um but yeah, also it, it was Asian, it was martial arts. It was at that time where I was taking martial arts. I would take it. I'd been taking it for years. I, I would take it for years more. Um, and I knew more about kind of that world, that subset of culture than, than anybody else I knew. Yeah. And I think that's a really great segue into our next question. And that is, what is it that draws us into these fantasy worlds, these sci-fi worlds, worlds that are not our own? Uh, I I feel like I have a hard time coming up with an answer for this, even though you know in my mind I can clearly see one of the one of the earliest books I remember reading besides Harry Potter was a series I was called Alana, and she was like a, a female knight. Um, and I actually reread them like last year, and they were still pretty good. Uh, the sex was pretty cringy, though. I'll say that. I feel like there shouldn't be you know illusions of sex in a in a kid book but anyways um i've become a prude and uh, like those i always you know came back to those books or i came back to harry potter for a really really long time and you know harry potter like i think we talked about this but we you know it got me through some stuff my my grandpa died and i remember reading rereading the seventh book and it was just like really cathartic to you know, spend some time in this world that wasn't my own because, you know, my current world sucked. Like, it just, like, wasn't fun at the time. So I guess that's a really long way of me saying that sometimes these books are, you know, really, and books and shows and movies, um, all pieces of media are really good to sort of take a break from your world. And I think that's sort of why I seek it out. And it's fun to, I don't know, it's fun to pretend that this could exist. Or like, if if you had the opportunity, like, would you go, you know, into the Harry Potter world or, you know, into the Avatar world? That's not necessarily a question you need to answer. But I was thinking about these books that I was reading recently. Um, it's called a 
Court of Thorn and Roses is the series by Sarah J. Moss. And, you know, if you know anything about the books, they're pretty like weird, steamy romance novels, but they're also like fantasy, um, which is right up my alley, honestly. They're, but they're, I don't know. It, it was just like, oh, this, this would be cool. It's cool reading about characters who are your age. And I think that's what I like about fantasy is that, you know, they grow up, you grow up. It's not so much different from our own world besides the fact that they can use magic or they have wings or lightsabers or something like that. So I think, yeah, I think that's my answer. Sort of like that's why I delve into magic is that sometimes it's just a nice break. Um, does anyone want to go next to answer that question? Yeah, I can go next. Sweet. So I mentioned last week that I would blow up my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Buckley, spot in this. Oh, I do remember so, that, yeah. Uh, and honestly, if I'm being like real, Mr. Buckley was a great teacher. Um, he was a great fifth grade teacher um, in almost every way. Uh, he taught me how to crochet one day. That was fun. Um, but I distinctly remember, and you, of course, you only remember like the one bad thing that, that somebody did. Uh, he, I was a kid that would read during class, um, because normal class was boring and, um, uh, gifted kid talk coming. Um, uh, the, the <laughs> coursework, I was, I was pretty bored by it. I was way past whatever they were teaching in like the normal fifth grade class. So I would read during class. Um, but I was also like a distraction cause I would talk to kids and I would be kind of in my own little world. Again, probably had ADHD. Um, but my fifth grade teacher pulled me aside one day and said, Colby, I think you're reading too many fiction books. I think that you are like way too ungrounded and you need to read like some nonfiction to like ground yourself into this reality. And I always resented that. I um, hate so that. So for a long yeah, yeah, I hate that so much. For a long time, it was just like an act of rebellion reading <laughs> fiction books. And again, like you said, Martha, for a, a long time, Percy Jackson and other books of that ilk were kind of escapism for me. But as I've gotten older, they've become less and less escapism. And I've been used, and when I read fantasy, I, I try to like look at the world that they've, that they've built and it's a place for me to question the moralities of that world and how those moralities transfer into our world. Like what if there was a fire nation like genocide in our world, what would that actually look like? Of course there have been many, many genocides over the course of history. I'm just pulling an example out of my booty hole. Um, but just using fantasy as a way, kind of, uh, we'll call it like a a contained space to poke at politics and to poke at morality and to poke at the structures of our world and use that to inform my own opinions about this world. I, I want to quickly touch on a point that you made about how your teacher was like, oh, you should ground yourself in reality. And I feel like opinions like that can be really harmful. I remember, I might have told this story already, but when I was in seventh grade, I had an art teacher. I think his first name was Art, like old white dude Art. And 
he told me in seventh grade and he's like, Martha, you know, you remind me of my son. Uh, he is good at a lot of things. He's just not good at art. And I feel like even if it comes like from a teacher or from an adult or just someone older than you, I just feel like that's such a harmful idea to perpetuate that, you know, you, why can't you do these things? Like now I run an Etsy shop selling my designs. I might not have been good at art then, but I definitely, I don't know, probably leveled up a little bit since then. I'm not a painter. I, I can't do any of that stuff, but, um, I've, you know, taught myself a few things along the way. So, yeah, I, that's just a long way of me saying I'm really mad that your teacher told you that. I think you should read what you want, especially if it makes you happy. Uh, uh, bringing it back to the question, um, what is it that draws us into fantasy worlds? There are two kind of ideas that I have for why uh, kids and teens love fantasy worlds. One, uh, Kobe touched on it, it's escapism, right? This You have so much not in your control. Uh, so much sucks about being a teen, right? So much is, is, uh, I mean, you know, for me, like it just, it just sucked. It sucked. And so being in this world allows you to, to just kind of ignore, um, tune out the problems, your teenage problems, your 12 year old problems of the world, whether it be watching a show, reading a book, I think reading a book, especially kind of pulls you in, in a way that a TV show, um, can't or doesn't for most people. Um, but I think specifically for teens and for preteens, young adults, kids, whatever, what draws them into fantasy worlds and chosen one narratives is the idea that they are able to shape their own destiny. Because if you are Harry Potter, you get to fight Voldemort. If you are Luke Skywalker, you get to fight Vader. If you are Aang, you get to take on the Fire Lord. There is so much... You are you are asked to restrain so much when you're 12 years old. And there is so much, you know... Now, for some kids, um, they are given so much and they're just brats, Right? But specifically for young girls and for, um, like, people of color, right, um, especially black students, your physicality uh, or, or, or your body is, like, the rights of your body and your, like, your body is kind of uh, litigated so much. It's under so much restraint. You're punished so much, right? There's that report that um, physical discipline is still is still being done in certain states, and it is like two to three times more likely to be done to black kids, right? We, you have this idea of of you know um, you know just these kids who are just punished for fighting, punished for for pushing back, right? When I was a kid, I got I got suspended for shoving someone back quote unquote, being in a fight. And so, you know, these, these marginalized kids, they love the idea of being able to take the problem into their own hands and to solve it. Um, because so much violence, for lack of a better word, is done towards them. And they're unable to do anything back, unable to channel that energy outward into the problems that they face. You see, 
there's this almost level of catharsis you see, you feel rather when you get to see Aang take on the Far Lord, right? When it, 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 you get that in the movie when the bully has it coming, when Spider Man, uh, when Peter Parker punches Flash Thompson, right? The I wouldn't want to fight me either joke meme I shared, I think, to Kobe the other day. Um, like all those things, like all those things you, you have. So much pent up energy, and it's a way, a cathartic release for it, uh, especially for kids who find themselves to be really powerless. I think is the word maybe I was searching for during that whole spiel. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and I think to sort of add on to that, perhaps, and I can't necessarily speak for any marginalized communities, but I I know for me, when I was growing up, I was a girl and, you know, my parents were yelling at me. I would think of like Hermione or think of Alana and be like, okay, they fought back. Like maybe I'm not so helpless. Maybe I, you know, maybe I do have some power. So I really like Avatar in the sense that, you know, they're kids, they're kids the entire three season. And, you know, they save the world. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, I definitely did not do that when I was 12. I was making crappy YouTube videos that still exist, by the way. Um, if you if you know where to search. <laughs> I also think that it's a place... And I, I talked about, like, poking at, like, politics. But it's also... Fantasy can be used to talk about things that are really hard to talk and to think about. I know that for me, it's very difficult for me to take in media that is about black people's trauma. Like, it's it's very hard for me to, like, t- watch that sort of stuff. Um, but then you have a book like... Or a book series, like, I think the series called Legends of Arisha, Children's of Blood, Children of Blood and Bone. Um... Oh, and yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, they where the the author Tony Adeyemi, she can take that world of like state brutality against a marginalized community and put it in a way that I can actually like interact with and not like put myself into like a little hole every time I see it or feel it, and I can still feel it, but it doesn't like poke at that trauma point inside of me. It's very. It's, it makes me feel like I can actually, like, interact with the media that I consume when you can kind of separate it from our world and still be able, because I'm a 24-year-old who understands, like, allegory and coding, I can understand <laughs> what's going on in the story without having to, like, relive my own and my people's drama. But on the flip side, I I do think some of this stuff could be useful not necessarily in avatar but i i'm thinking of a book that i read uh i don't remember the series but it was by holly black and it was about this like fey girl um half fey girl who schemed her way to the top basically and ended up being queen like the second book i think is called queen of nothing and you know when she was a kid she saw her parents like get murdered and that that was you know pretty a harsh reality for her so i think sometimes it helps that you know even these books and shows they are fantasy but the i guess like human or fae or fairy or whatever experience can be universal like we write about what we know right so 
I think that can be also really powerful too. Um, I wanted to move on to this next question. And I think, again, it's just flowing really nicely tonight. So how does podcasting, and I guess like for me, this was the first time that I saw Avatar. We I watched it and then I talked about it every week. Um, how would that impact your opinion of it? Like, let's say I forced you guys to start a Grey's Anatomy podcast with me, uh, which would be honestly great, by the way. <laughs> but um, five years of our life, that's how long it would take, uh, just in case you were wondering. So how would that impact your opinion of it? And then for you guys, you know, you're rewatching this in podcasting. Like, how did it make you like it better? Did you poke too many holes in it? How did that sort of go for you? Um, Arya, I'll let you go first. Uh, I don't want to say it poked holes in Avatar. I think Avatar's limitations were very clear to me as uh, as an adult, even, even looking back, right? It's just this. It did open my eyes into just how white it is. Um, and it's, to me, this is essentially just another iron fist and I'll never be able to really watch this with the same joy that I did as a kid because especially because we, because we can't just take it for what it is because of how it has inspired other companies and Nickelodeon or other properties to do the same thing, to take this aesthetic. Um, and I use that word, you know, uh, sarcastically, right? Because people and real cultures are not aesthetic, but to take that aesthetic and to turn it into a hollow wishy-washy story. And now the 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 general storytelling elements and the technical element elements of the show are good. Those are undeniable. But in terms of like, is is the entertainment world better because this show came out? Is it better for Asian projects? The answer is no. And I wouldn't really like. You can debate me. I, I'm not really gonna. Not you, but like. <laughs> I just I just think it I just think the answer is no because it it really is just another white voice white face telling asian voices and and it's just something that like uh like I always knew it was there but podcasting about it really made me look into how deeply ingrained that is into the show. And I think a really great example of that is unfortunately the terrible movie that Colby and I watched and Ariel saw like 5 minutes of like uh, that had I feel like the potential for the story to be told on a large screen is still there, but we're just gonna forget about the movie and pretend that never existed because it doesn't make it better. So, I think for me coming back for it, the watching it week to week and having to, for lack of a better word, dissect it every week, the good stuff was amplified and the bad stuff was also amplified. Like I was, I feel like I was this time hyper aware of the stuff that I love. Like we've already talked about the characters, the music, the, um, the arc of a story like that. I think all of that still holds up 
um, against any of its, uh, definitely of its peers at the time. Um, but <laughs> it's it's a, it's an undeniable but. Uh, you can't tell the story of Avatar and Avatar The Last Airbender in the world of Avatar without talking about the whiteness of the story. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't, or not the whiteness, uh, whiteness of the, the whiteness that permeates into the story. It's impossible to do that. Um, but I, I still come away from the show enjoying it and that might be nostalgia if it is i don't care (laughs) um i i don't know if there will ever be a point in my life where i don't like avatar anymore um i'm not insinuating um ariel that you no longer like avatar last airbender but um i don't know It, it just i think that the amplification of everything is what comes with coming back to a story like this one in this way i think that's a really good point and i feel not necessarily that i had those experiences but i definitely got additional perspective from you two um when we talked about this every week and and all of our guests that we had on uh because i'm thinking like i was the only one out of all the guests we had that hadn't seen it all so i i think getting all that additional perspective was good Sometimes I do wish I, I, I don't know, like I mostly formed my own opinions, but I think sometimes maybe your opinions or your comments might have colored mine a little bit, um, which is not necessarily a, a bad thing. I'm not going to be like mad or anything. Like I'm pretty stubborn. I can form my own opinions. Um, and you stubborn? <laughs> I'm more dramatic than stubborn, I, th- I think, I hope. But well, let's not act like they're mutually exclusive. <laughs> uh right so (laughs) okay sorry i just had to laugh about that um so i'm comparing it to another show that i've been i guess like a weirdly not weirdly but i've been approached to start a podcast on and i was thinking about starting a podcast on it anyways but grace and me I watched that show, I binge watched that show in under a year, which still feels impressive. Maybe it's not, but uh, like over 350 episodes I watched of Grey's Anatomy. And I am glad that if I am starting a podcast on that, that I saw it first. Because I feel like that's a show that almost has dragged on too long. And this show is really concise. It's only three seasons, like 21-ish episodes a season, plus a movie. And then there's Korra, which I which I will watch later. I haven't started it yet, but I honestly kind of forgot about it until now. Uh, <laughs> so what, am I, what I'm trying to say not so very concisely is that because this show was so compact, it almost helped talking about it to really understand the full impact and like the cultural impact that the show had. Grey's Anatomy, who cares what happened in 2005? Like it's it's a medical drama. It hasn't changed much. Uh, but this show, I do feel like maybe carried, I don't know, a different cultural impact. Like it, it I mean, personally it did for me, but maybe not for YouTube, but I think there was a lot there that I maybe would have missed if I was just wa- watching it by myself, which is what I was trying to say. Um, I got there eventually. So, what do y'all think changes if 
this show was pitched to Nickelodeon today? I would hope that they would uh, pick, you know, like Asian voice actors and um, I don't know if it would. Th- you don't think that would happen, Ariel? I th- no, I think uh, I think Zuko gets played by Stephen Yun, and I think Iroh gets oh, played by another. He absolutely older does, Asian yes. gentleman. And that, but I th- honestly, I, I, I would love that show. I think uh, I think Aang, Sok, and Katara are are just going to be played by more famous people. If that makes like, there will be more yeah. celebrity and le- and and. Uh, can we you wait know. about six years until Alan Kim grows up and he can play Aang? Because I just think that would be so cute. I, I mean, love him. You know, I just don't. I. Uh, I don't. I don't have. I don't have faith because it's still happening, right? Um, mm. Robert Kirkman, creator of Invincible and The Walking Dead, recently created a comic called Firepower, and it's it's it's. Basically, Iron Fist. It is a story about this, except the main character is half Asian, right? Or some nonsense like that. The character is Asian, goes to a temple, learns the special chi power, becomes the best at it, goes home with this power. And it's all that. Oh, a- I forgot I don't have my camera on. I was making a face while you were, yeah. <laughs> while you were saying it's all, all that. that. Uh, <laughs> Like, but the the crazy part is like Iron Fist felt really appropriate in the seventies when it happened, and and it and it's it's because animation has this veil of not seeing the faces that allows them to do this. If the show was created today, there's a higher chance that Ang gets voiced by Tom Holland than he does being voiced by an Asian person. And I want to. First, preface this by saying everything that Ariel just said takes precedence over what I'm about to say because I, I think that's the most important problem. Um, but I also think if this show is made today, you probably get less voice actors and you probably get more live action actors yeah. that yeah. were going to lend their famous voices, which sucks. And because yeah. voice actors are so good at their jobs and they're voice actors for a reason. Um, and as. Um, you can almost trace this back to like Robin Williams um, in Aladdin, uh, where you just, as time goes on, at first it was stunt casting these voices, stunt casting, stunt casting. And then it just became the norm that when you're watching these animated shows, all of the actors, for lack of a better term, are celebrities. Like, as much as we love uh, Tara Strong and um, Phil Lamar isn't like a. He's a voice actor, but he's not, like, only a voice actor. But people like that, um, Gray Delisle, um, who are both voice people in this show, um, those types of talents aren't getting the work that they used to. And I think that really sucks. The kind of premiere work. They're still working, but, like, the premiere, like we're going to put this at the forward of everything that we're doing. Like, look at the cast of Invincible. is J.K. Simmons and um, who is Sandra Oh, um, Steven Yeun, who has done, like, a bunch of voice acting. But um, Homegirl, who played Vi- uh, Britta in Community, is, like, a big voice in oh, that show. Yeah. Like, it's it's not voice actors. Yeah, Zazie Beetz. Zazie Beetz, uh, yeah. Mark Hamill, like, is... Mark Hamill's that kind of in-between. Yeah. Um, 
So I read this this piece in the Boston Globe today called Asking a Poll to Name a Promin- Prominent Asian American. The top answer. Can you guess what the top answer was? Like Jackie Chan. The top answer was, I don't know. They don't oh, know no. any. The second closest answers are Jackie Chan, not Asian American. Bruce Lee died in 1973. Um, they asked for a live. Oh, I missed that part. I just thought it was. Oh, boy. No, well, no. Yeah, they, I, they, they just asked who who was a prominent Asian American, I think was the question. Oh, okay. Uh, 42% of people said a recent online survey of 2,700 adults. The most prominent answer was don't know, 42%, followed by Jackie Chan at 11% and Bruce Lee at 9%. Okay. Jackie Chan is in his mid 60s, maybe early 70s. Bruce Lee has been dead since 1973. And like I, I've said this before, the most famous Asian American person in in the entertainment business is Lucy Liu. Now, Lucy Liu is a queen. We love Lucy Liu. She is not an A-list celebrity. And so, no. yeah. And so, I think Colby's absolutely right that if this were made today, the voices would be uh, actors, famous actors, celebrities. But as a result, that would mean less Asian voices. Or no, sure. Asian I saw I saw something the other day because Jesus and Miro did a um, Jesus and Miro did an interview with Yo Yo Ma. If you haven't watched it, it's incredible. That's I um, watched it, but I do like Yo Yo Ma. It is. Um, I did not know the dude had that much personality. Uh, I just didn't know. Um, I should have guessed because he went on Arthur when I was a kid. Oh, and yeah. anyone who goes on that. Arthur is awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I forget who brought it up, but someone said if you ask someone to name like the most prominent Asian American musician, they'd probably say Yo Yo Ma. And that's not like, the dude's 60 something years old. Yo Yo like, Ma has been around for like, not, I want to say forever, but. When I was learning how to play violin, like, yeah, Yo Yo Ma. And when I got older, I was like, oh, I'm surprised that, like, he is younger than I would have expected. So, like, maybe in some circles you'll get, um, Janae Aiko, but like, you know what the answer to this actually is, right? It's Bruno Mars. He's half Filipino. Oh, no one would, but, but no, no one, one would say would that. Say Bruno, I, no yeah, one I would say Bruno Mars. But you're correct. But you're he, but he's correct. like, he's like an A-list music celebrity. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, like Batista's half Filipino. Enrique Iglesias is half Filipino. Like nobody knows. Nobody, like, whatever. Nobody, nobody in that poll said uh, the the picture in the poll for the Boston Globe was um, Kamala Harris, who is half Asian. And so it's just, you know, mm. so weird. Naomi Osaka, probably the most prominent. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. <laughs> Tiger Woods is probably the most famous. Like, Jeremy Lin was, I mean, if this was in New York, you probably do get a couple of Jeremy Lins. Super duper famous for a stretch there. Also, um, Hornets legend. Uh, <laughs> I think we should Jeremy move on. Lin. I think we should move on. <laughs> I should have I should have kept it count throughout this podcast. How many episodes did we get through without bringing up sports? I'll this tell you now. Probably it's probably zero. zero. 
That sounded more salty than I meant it to be. I apologize. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so let's get... So I feel like we had really good sort of phil- philosophical conversations there, but let's dive into the show that we watched for the last year. And uh, Colby, this was your question that you wrote down, but is the White Lotus good? Honestly, mm, I don't know if I have an opinion. I might form an opinion after I hear you guys talk, but I'm interested to hear what you think, Colby, since you wanted to bring this up today. (laughs) Uh, No, I I brought this up because this is something that we've been talking about in the After Dark since, oh, early season two. Um, so I feel like, oh my God, wait, now I can go back and listen to all the after darks. Yes, you can. (sighs) Yes, you can. Um, we can, you can hear us talking about you. (laughs) Okay. Maybe I don't. One of the first questions was, will Martha last? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there was times when I, uh, I didn't think we'd make it, but listen, so. I, I I kept saying to myself, we just need to get through season one. Like we need to we need to finish and like power through season one. Um, but yeah, so the White Lotus, I am uncomfy with them as just a premise. I assume most people have seen this, have listened to After Darks, and have heard this. So I'm not gonna like. I don't think we need to go into like our whole spiel, but like the idea of a shadow government made up of prominent officials from the from the three remaining um ethnicities in the world like only high-ranking people in those societies seems like a not great thing for the world generally is my um is my big sweeping statement ariel i don't know if you had anything to to add to that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's basically a reflection of what um, I think. It's a reflection of what the creators think is the proper form of wisdom and government in the world. Like we know that keeping a bunch of boomers in charge is a terrible idea because we're experiencing it firsthand, and so. Um, it's it's why I tend to dismiss anyone who says, don't, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, don't take real life politics from things that people create. And I was like, do you know how many times people tell on themselves? You know how bad Woody Allen tells on himself every time he makes a movie where the lead is 30 years younger than himself? Like, it it cannot help but bleed out. If you're a creator, like, especially if you're a storyteller, like can your, can you keep your beliefs out of your, um, out of your storytelling? Like JK Rowling couldn't her racism seep through every second. And so, you know, it, I don't, I don't like the white Lotus. I especially don't like them because it's a bunch of like oligarchs and war criminals. Um, like, like I rose a war criminal. I mean, Zhang Zhang is probably a war criminal. Bumi is a king who sat around and let his people die and let other Earth kingdoms around them die. They're they're not good. They're everything about and we'll talk about the Fire Nation in just a second. It's bad. Um I I don't want to go full conspiracy theory here. Uh but honestly this probably exists in real life. Um and I think that's bad. So I think it can translate into the show that that is also bad. <laughs> we don't need a group of ultra-rich, ultra-white people ruling the world. We just don't, Yeah, which is what we have now. 
And but sorry, keep going. Well, I'm just gonna say you you've seen where that has gotten us. Like right. Elon Musk host, hosted SNL. Like, is he trying to relate to us? Like, what's I don't know. Like, I it feels like well, I don't know. I my fresh my college freshman roommate was a conspiracy theorist. I think she rubbed off on me, um, but that's all I have to say. I think it's a bad yeah. idea. But I, I think I, it's sorry, sorry. Sorry. One more thing. I just want to say I think it's also hard because I do really like the characters. Um, like I like Boomy. I like Iroh. I liked the Water Nation guy. Uh, I I like those people. So I I think that's why it's kind of hard to come to terms with like oh no these this might not be the best idea. I think what's the worst thing about the White Lotus is that they are framed as a good thing, mm-hmm. like an unquestioned at. Any time, Martha, this is the part where I spoil, like, the first five minutes of Korra. Um, Go for it. But at the beginning of Korra, we see the White Lotus has taken on the task of training the Avatar fully. They aren't in hiding anymore, but their job is to isolate the Avatar and to train the Avatar. We have these same people. Mm. Just training this person who is supposed to be like the arbiter of the entire, like the arbitrator of the entire world who is only influenced by these few people who are around her. So even back in the day, like we've talked about, I'm not sure if you said this on the main pod or in the After Dark, how the Avatar, when they travel around, they pretty much are only meeting with the oligarchs and the monarchs are only meeting with the top of society. So now the Avatar doesn't even get to travel in <laughs> in the next cycle. Uh, she's literally kept in this compound at the South Pole. Um, and is, yeah, she's trained and like she learns pretty quickly and is like and is able to get all their all the teachers that she needs. Um, minus airbending because there aren't but so many of them. Um, oh, yeah, Martha, there's Aang has kids they're airbenders everyone's an airbender do you not think i immediately looked up what happened after the show ended? Uh, yeah <laughs> um it, it just seems like huh, it, it's it's a frustrating sort of and you're right ariel it bleeds it makes me think do the creators think that this is a good thing and they then i read the comics do. The comics go who are written by largely until um, the end of the last Airbender run, written by people of color, are like questioning whether or not the stuff that happened in the show should have happened, and then it goes right back into the the very stark whiteness of of Korra. Um, anyway, that's my White Lotus rant. So, if you want more, just hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> um, I hey, now I can unmute you. I was just thinking about yeah. that. Uh, so, I told you two weeks ago, and you didn't anyway. That's fine. I remember. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> what one thing that we'll move on from the White Lotus after this, I think. But I just want to say that they, I'm not sure if they thought much about the White Lotus. I mean, I think it was just a way to tie up all these old guys. So we could be reading too much into it. But I think that's okay for the purpose of this podcast. Uh, I don't really. They're there. They're it's a fictional character. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's all I have to say about it. But um, let's move on. 
I like this question that Colby wrote also. It is, what is destiny and what does this mean for how these characters live their lives? Honestly, I didn't get a chance to think much about this. So I'll be making <laughs> this up on the fly as I do with most of this podcast. I'll let you in on an inner secret now that I'm leading the discussion. Um, Colby, what do you think is destiny in terms of this show and, and maybe beyond too? I like how this show treats the concept of destiny. I like that this isn't a like Calvinist sort of deterministic everything that is going to happen has been written and it will always happen and it always has happened and it always will happen. I like that these characters have some sort of agency. Whether or not we have agency as people is like a a scientific uh, question that we don't know the answer to. Maybe it's philosophical, maybe it's metaphysical, whether or not we have free will. We just, I don't think we as a species have a good answer to that question. But I like to think that we do. I like to think that I, that I have the the agency to change my future self's life maybe i don't maybe wherever i'm going is always going to be where i was going but i i like that at least the idea that me and these characters can shape where they're going to go of course the great great irony in this is that this show was written so these characters literally (laughs) didn't have a choice in where they were going to go um Maybe our lives are the exact same way. Um, that was very, very heady. Um, I promise I'm not high right now. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm like but, uh, uh, half a bottle of wine down. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing to think about is that destiny is often intertwined with fate, which is, you know, a very similar thing. Um, I think I believe in fate more than destiny personally. Cause I think when I think of fate, I think of, okay, like everything that has happened, you know, in my life was supposed to happen. Everything that's going to happen um, is also supposed to happen. Whereas destiny feels like a little bit too final for me. I, I don't think I have a final destiny in life, um, but I do think, you know, as my life it, how do I explain this? It almost feels like sort of like, okay, if you make decision A in your life, you're presented with two decisions. Let's say you make decision A. That opens a bunch of new doors and a lot more, you know, like different fates. If you, you know, like, let's say, okay, if I went to the University of Wisconsin or if I went to the University of Minnesota, I went to the University of Minnesota and that opened a bunch of different doors. I don't know what would have happened if I went to Wisconsin. So I don't know that part of my destiny, but I know that like in that sense, I sort of chose my own fate. I was making the conscious decision to go to this college. Let's be honest. I really only got into one college. I'll let you in on a secret, but like, let's pretend I didn't. Let's pretend I had a bunch of different choices. This was the one that I made. And I feel like in this show, you know, there are a bunch of different choices. Obviously, you know, there's one goal in mind, but they could have taken a bunch of different ways to get there. So so that's sort of how I see, you know, like destiny and and fate. And, 
you know, did, did they play a little heavy handed with some of the romance? Yes. And, and I think that's like, oh, it was destined that, you know, Katara and Aang were going to kiss and end up together. Um, yes, I did read that they do get married. Uh, so that felt a little heavy handed, but I think for most of the show, you know, let's just pretend it wasn't written and this was a real thing. They had a lot of different doors they could have gone through and the decisions that they made, made this show. I think in terms of this show, destiny is handled pretty well, right? We don't see it really play out into anyone's life except for two characters. One being, um, Zuko slash Iroh, right? Where I, I had a vision, blah, 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 whatever. Iroh. Um, and, and Zuko's kind of grappling with his, his quote unquote destiny, right? Aang's, uh, Aang is the other character. And I like that the show does not posit Aang having this set destiny in terms of destination. Um, instead, it, it implies the responsibility of the Avatar. And what I like to look back on, I think the show makes it clear that Aang is not destined to save the world. It is his responsibility as the Avatar because so many previous Avatars have failed already. Roku had failed at some point. Karuk dies early because he's an idiot, right? And so the Avatar is not a sure thing. It is not a predestined... Um, he does not have a predestined path, right? That care, that the, the, the Avatar has been corrupted, right? We posited this question, I think... I think the role of the Avatar is so much different than what perhaps it should be from the, its inception. And so I think the show, I think the show teeters with it with Zuko, but I think it's because Zuko, I think, oh, it's my destiny to help the Avatar to be a good blah, blah, blah. I think it's his mom who instills that in him to be a good mm. person. And it's not, um, despite my father trying to raise me as a sociopath, I am instead going to help the after. No, Zuka was raised to be kind. He was raised to help and he was raised with love. And therefore, it is so against his base nature to try and be violent to kill the avatars throughout the entire series that when it comes down to it, you just couldn't. He's a confused kid, not, um, not Anakin Skywalker, right? And so that's, I, I like the themes, the things the show does in terms of destiny. The great problem with writing prophecy into stories is that prophecy is supposed to always be correct. What you write is going to happen at some point. So you have to, at some point, in order to keep things interesting, subvert the prophecy so that whatever you wrote still has a twist in it some well. I think Rick Riordan does that so well in the Percy Jackson books that he can write a prophecy into every book and it's still <laughs> compelling the whole way through, at least to me. Um, Avatar just avoids that completely. And I think it was the correct move yes, because I, it's just, it's so hard to do it well. Yeah. It's, it's why put yourself in that box essentially. Mm hmm. Okay. I'd like to talk about this question. What 
does the show think we should learn from the Fire Nation? And does that match what we know what happens in the real world? Really quick, there's this idea that the Fire Nation represents the Nazis, right? Now, that's like an easy comparison. The Empire does a blah, 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 blah. But what we learn from uh, from the end of this series with Zuko as Fire Lord in power is that this is closer to World War I Germany than World War II Germany. Somewhere down the line, in, in a real world and not whatever Korra is, right? I don't even know what happens in Korra because I didn't watch it and I don't care. Someone, you didn't watch Korra? Is that news to me? Season two she never finished Korra. was awful. Awful. It's bad. It's, it's awful. Real bad. And I also don't okay. I don't like what they do with her. I don't like the White Lotus stuff. I don't like I I was like, you know what? If this ends up good, I'll come back to it. I checked in on the series finale and, and I just like nope. I just noped out of there. Um didn't like the direction it was going. You might. I don't know. We'll see. In a world where the the royal family is still in power after a genocide and war of this magnitude, somebody somewhere down the line is going to try this again. History tells us that. If you're going to keep the aggressor armed, then they're going to become the aggressor again. Uh, there's, there's no other logical outcome. And the yeah. show doesn't do that. So the show doesn't do that. Cora doesn't pursue that much. The comics touch on it. They do have like some Fire Nation officials who are like, I mean, it didn't work the first time. Let's try it again. Um, and I do think that they they try in the comics, and there's just um, not enough time, not enough space with all the other things that are going on. Um, to really flesh it out, um, I do appreciate the effort, <laughs> but it, it's just not all the way there. Um, but I think you're right that I I know you're right that if you just put let's let's say it is World War Two and you just put um, Hitler's son <laughs> in charge, <laughs> no matter how good he may seem, like, like it, it let's say. But let's even take it to like the extreme. Like Hitler's son was on the Allied side, like he he joined the Allied forces and helped in World War II. You really think the rest of the world's going to be cool with with Adolf Hitler's son taking like taking control of Germany with all of these resources at his disposal to do whatever he wants with? That's not going to happen. You know what's funny is that the finale, Ira almost gets it. He almost gets it. He's like. History would just look on it as a brother killing brother. Well, like, well, history just sees that the son of the previous Fire Lord ascended to the throne. It's the same exact problem. Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk about kind of impressions from the se- from the series as a whole? Especially, I'd like to hear some things from Martha before we get out of here. Um, I feel like we maybe talked about that in the beginning, but if there's anything else you want to say, um. I, I just have one or two more momos sure, than yeah, you have go for it. 
here. Uh, well, I guess we could, if, if we're good, we could just do it moments and I'll add the one or two that I thought up that's not on the list. Yeah. Yeah. How about we just do that? Yeah. Welcome to the last editions of the Momos, much like the probably last Golden Globes that happened. Um, this is it. So, as always, we have started off with MVP for every single episode, and this time it's the MVP of the whole series. Colby, take it away. I mean, there's only one answer, right? There's one answer for MVP. Well, it's um, uh, it's Arrowhead. It's um, Twinkle Toes. I disagree, but explain why. He, he's the Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did the thing. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that show was behind. No, I actually have said Appa. Appa is my personal <laughs> MVP of the show. We know how emotional I got during those few episodes when we didn't know if he was coming back. <laughs> that was, um, those those would be those will be some fun um, for you to some fun after darks for you to go back and listen to. <laughs> did you just talk about how dramatic I was? That's okay. I deserve uh, that. us being afraid you're going to quit the podcast. <laughs> Um. No, well, that's my MVP. He, you know, he carried the gang on his literal back, like he is the last of his kind. Appa, all the way. Ariel, do you have another answer? The show's MVP is not Aang; it's Zuko. He makes the show so much more interesting because, as cool as Aang is by series end. He is basically a reduxed version of Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, Son Goku, Naruto. Though that trope is there and it's done and it's done well, but it's not special. And the reason why I think Zuko was the MVP is that since this series ended, we have had several different things try the Zuko redemption path and none of them have worked. Zuko is the only one. Now, none of them have decided to try and put this level of care into um, into one, the long form push and pull good and evil inside a person starting from the bad point, right? Um, and two, none of them have kind of wised up to realizing that you need this character to be a kid and not a, a grown man, a 35-year-old murderer, right? I will say the one show that I've seen be able to do it, it was a kid, and it was a kid that grew up in a system in which they were taught as from a small, small child that this is what they were born to do was to be evil. I think it's the only way to do it. Can you say what show it is without spoiling? I'm probably not going to watch it, so... Mm, no. You can you can DM it to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Don't that. say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, it's it's a pretty like it, it's it's a pretty simple like thing, right? You need a kid in a system who's tr- who who does not fully understand the consequences of their actions. When you're 16, that is perfectly fine, despite what people, you know, what 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 people say about uh what politicians say about young people of color at 16 years old. They're still a kid, right? Um, and so, and, and, and in their eyes, white men at 30 years old are also still kids. So they think that it works and it doesn't. And so that's why Zuko to me is the MVP. Also, um, 
probably in terms of actors, I think Mako was gives probably the best performance mm. in and out makes us forget that this character is a war criminal. Fun fact, Mako hated singing on the show. He was like, why do y'all keep making me sing? And everyone was like, because it's so great. (laughs) (laughs) Because we love it every time you do. Like, he didn't, like, hate it. Like, oh, why are they making me? It's like, y'all, why are you making me sing again? (laughs) I'll be honest. One time I had a choir teacher. Not my choir teacher, mind you. I was an orchestra. But he's like, Martha, I think you should join choir. You know, we could add you to the tenor section. And I, and I was like, you <laughs> dick. <laughs> like, like, I was just so sensitive of my voice at the time. And like, now that, I, you know, I've podcasted for almost three years, like I, I feel okay about it. But at the time in high school, I was like, oh my God, what a dick. You could be an alto, contralto. Uh, you can rock it. I can get pretty low. Um, anyways, uh, so let's move on to your favorite character of the series. And surprise surprising well maybe not for you but surprise for me was Sokka I loved him I thought he was so funny he you know he was just good like there's nothing there's nothing else to say besides like he was good he was pure he was just fun to watch um and you know fun to see grow up I guess I'm going to use my time to talk some more about Sokka because (laughs) the thing is, Martha, you weren't wrong to dislike Sokka at first. You weren't. Like, he is pretty sexist. Like, he thinks he's a know-it. Like, he's a know-it-all. Like, he he is that person. And that's not a very likable person. But what I love about Sokka is that he does, he isn't afraid to say he learns not to be afraid to say when he doesn't know something, even starting from episode three when there or episode four with the Kyoshi warriors where he's getting his butt kicked by Suki and them. And he's like, Hey, I can't do what you do. Teach me when he wants to become a master of something. He goes to, um, it's not Paku. Um, Zhang Zhang. He goes to Zhang Zhang and says, I want to be helpful. I can't do what you do. I can't do what they do. Teach me. And I think that's such a spirit of a person that we need more of in this world, where if they don't know something, they go to the masters and they ask. And they ask humbly and they ask with an open heart and with an open mind. And it's something that I think we should all, like, strive to. And it's something, like like I said, I think we need more of in our in our society. Uh, Sokka's swordmaster was Pian Dao. Dang it, Zhang Zhang's the, the, um, fire. the fire nation, the fire. Um, yeah. I couldn't correct you. So. Pian Dao voiced by Robert Patrick? How did I not know this? I sw- I thought you were going to say Robert Pattinson, and I would have thrown wow, my microphone, because I feel like I should have known that. That's um, very interesting. <laughs> it's weird. Voice fight the T-1000. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really don't have an answer to this anymore. It, it, you know, I, I would love to get more of Suki. I would love, you know, I guess I guess the easy answer is Appa. He's the only innocent, truly innocent character in the whole series. <laughs> I mean, Toph's a cop. Uh, Suki's a cop. 
I was a war criminal. Zuko's a war Wait. criminal. Everyone's a cop. How are how is Toph a cop? Eh, just wait for it. <laughs> yeah. It's not. I mean, it's, in Korra. Yeah. yeah, you'll learn about her in Korra. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, shit. Oh, she, I can't. It's her. it's not very. Far. It's, it's another not, like episode one uh, or two. Okay, but it's okay. not. It's not a. It's not like a consequential spoiler. If that makes sense. No. Like it's it's you just learn in the backstory that Toph becomes a cop. Like, but it's just like they. It's just for you know they're telling on themselves. They're telling on themselves. Everyone's a cop, so I don't like them. I don't like cops. So there you go. Everyone's a cop. I don't like them. Appa's the only only good character in the whole series. So he's I guess Aang favorite. is in second place. Well, that's okay because we're going to move on to favorite bending in the or best bending, favorite bending. Whatever you want to call it. Um, I got to go with Katara because I feel like she really uh, uh, like um, learned a lot. Like we saw in the beginning how she's like, oh, I can, I can kind of bend. And then we see when she gets to the Northern Water Tribe, it's like, bam, you know, I have these healing powers. I could maybe blood bend if I wanted to. Uh, she's pretty awesome. So I am a fan of Katara's bending. My favorite bending is going to be Boomy, who just bends himself more candy every time he wants it. <laughs> He's just sitting in his little castle in Omashu. You got the sugar crystals all around him, and every once he just pops up some a little candy. He's like his own personal candy jar. I appreciate that. I'm going to go with Boomy, but when he breaks himself free from the pit prison with his chin. Oh. <laughs> With his face. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> come on, dude. Like, you know, it, it, remember, you know those shows like, you want to die by post it? Because that's a slow death. That's a boomy earth bending with his chin. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, it reminds me of the show that I saw where this guy got super buff and broke out of prison, but that's this show. That's this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, the next one is your favorite episode. I think you guys might be surprised by mine. Maybe not, but uh, uh, Arya, how about you go first? Oof. Um, mine is probably Bitter Work. Um, it's the episode where Aang is learning earthbending oh. and Sokka gets stuck in the hole. Let me just, look up the synopsis quick. Um, it's the one where Sokka's like stuck in the hole with his hands by his face, and he he's like, "Hey, this is my friend Fufu Cutly Poo, Fufu Cutly Poo." Oh, Aang. yeah, okay, yeah, um, that was yeah, that was a good one. It's just it reminds me a lot of like Rocky training montages, and I really enjoy that. For me, it depends on my mood, and right now my mood is saying the beach. Like um, that was season three, right? Mm-hmm. It's between that and Cave of Two Lovers. Oh, that was a good one. I, I have a Cave of Two Lovers sticker on my laptop. Um, just a dude with a guitar singing um, Secret Tunnel. <laughs> um, but it's, it's between those two, depending on how I feel that day. Um, I gotta send you guys my uh, Sokka sticker. Uh. That's not actually your present, though, by the way. I'm keeping that a secret. Um, my favorite episode is Tales of Bossing Say, the uh, one with all the mini episodes. Oh, yeah. 
Um, good choice. Good choice. Yeah, for some reason that has actually just stuck with me the entire you know back half of the show. Uh, the bit with Iroh was just touching. You know, Zuko going on a date. Um, it was just good. I, I feel like I, you know, I used to do this movie club. I feel like we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. That movie club has since disbanded. But one thing we talked about often was like slice of life movies. And I feel like that episode was just totally slice of life. Like, oh, here, you know, here's a day in the life of Zuko. Here's a day in the life of Aang. And I really like those shows. I really like those movies, even though it's not for everyone. So I'm with, uh, I think Taisha was our guest on that episode. So I'm with Taisha. And now we will go to worst episode. And honestly, I only had one answer for that. And that's The Great Divide. So... Yeah, Great Divide's pretty bad. You can just kind of scroll through season one and pick one. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to pick The Fortune Teller. Uh, just doesn't do much for me. Uh, yeah, those are both... I don't even... Here, let me think. The I thing get- about bad Avatar episodes is that they're forgettable. So it's, it's mm-hmm. hard to, to think of them. It, yeah, yeah. It, it is, and especially when, you know, I saw this show. I have not actually rewatched any episodes. Maybe that was my mistake, but when I saw this, you know, the first few episodes in March of 2020, you can bet that I have no idea what happened in those early episodes. I don't remember. I think the Imprisoned episode might be my least favorite. Mm. The one where, like, Katara gives a speech to a bunch of people. You can, you you know, it's, uh, I just, I'm not a big fan of, like, hey, this rousing speech can solve all our problems. It's like friendship that saves racism, things like that. That's what it reminds me of. The next one I wanted to go over is which character would you want on a spinoff? Because I feel like there's a lot of good options. Um, so I'm interested to hear what you think. What character I want? Okay, here's the spinoff I want. I want the Toph prequel. Uh, what was her? And I want it to be a WWE esque sort of like <laughs> the two announcers <laughs> ringside. Like it's just Raw or SmackDown, but it, it's um, it's like the Toph arc. I also put Toph, but I don't think I would want like um you know the younger years i think i would want her as a teenager because i think that would be funny <laughs> like I, I love her little crushes that she had throughout the show like very relatable um and she's also i i really enjoyed Toph as a character too so ariel what do you think i'm gonna go with guru patek the racist mm-hmm. caricature i would love to see him actually be a character mm-hmm. and how in the world does he know all this stuff about the Avatar? That's a really good question. We definitely did not get the answer during the show. I mean, yeah. Now that I'm like reading his fandom article, like, oh yeah, there's a lot of questions that we need to uh, get answered there. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's the, um, it's like the South Asian equivalent of the magical Negro, basically. Yeah. And they made him dark skinned as all heck, so it's really un- like it's really uncomfortable. And I'd love for that 
character to be a person and not a caricature. Uh, okay. I have a question specifically for Martha Colby. You can, of course, answer. I have no thoughts on this particular topic. Give me and the audience your three favorite ships in this series. What do you want? All right. First, I feel like this is going to be easy. Uh, Zuko Saka, easy. Second, Zuko Katara. <laughs> Not at the same time, please. Um, and I think the last one, honestly, like I could see Toph being in a triangle situation with <laughs> like um, probably like Aang and uh, Saka. Not at the same time, but I could see her just like falling in love with two people and, you know, trying to you know feel that out like which one is better for her uh so those are my answers that was really quick i didn't have to think about that at all <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do wonder what the toff Saka ship would have been because they they hinted at they hinted at toff's crush on there was Sokka. some yeah there yeah there when, when so- Sokka, you <laughs> saved me oh, you can let me drown now <laughs> so good I I would I don't think I don't consider this a ship, but I I would like to amend my spinoff, and I think I would like a Toph Zuko road trip special uh, because we didn't really get to see that she she was like oh I, I didn't get a road trip with you know Zuko or whatever, uh, so I would like to see that. I forgot that the obvious answer is the Roku Sozen ship. Oh, you're right. It's clearly that's the spinoff I want to see. I want to see Roku and Sosa's relationship. That's what I want to see. I changed my mind. What do they call it on the internet? Rosen. Yeah, give me Rosen. <laughs> Chosen that's kind Rosen. of a pretty name, actually. I like that. Um, I would have liked Aang with someone else. I never bought it. Throughout the series, I never bought it. I don't think they did enough for it. Uh, you get so much more with uh, you got so much more with Toph and Sokka than you do Ang. It felt just felt forced. Felt weird. Uh, you know what? You know what it reminds me of is people who dated in high school but only ever dated each other, and that's sort of what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes those relationships definitely do work out, but I feel like maybe once they got to know each other and not during a time of trying to destroy the Fire Nation, yeah, they might have figured out some different things. That's my opinion, I guess. I think I think once you're done with Korra, we need a pop culture episode on like on on Team Avatar. I think right. it'd be fun. Let's I don't do I don't like I don't I really don't care about anyone new introduced in Korra. Um, but I do have interest in like where these characters ended up. I do still need to do my Shrek episode, even though it's probably too late now. But it's never too late. Just for Shrek. me, just me talking about Shrek. No one else. Um, shall we end with uh, our last question, or do we have anything else? I'm good, Colby. What about you? No. Um, yeah, I have something else. Um, before we move on to the last thing, thank you. Both of you, 
Um, and thank you to the offense, to the audience, um, to, to the offense. Good lord. Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> this has been a over a year of my pandemic life, and I truly appreciate both of you and both of your insights and your opinions and you spurring me to think deeper about something that I've loved for so long. Um, I really appreciate it. And I also appreciate um, both of your friendship and I wanted that to be on the record. So thank you. That's nice of you to say. Um, Yeah. I mean, I would like to echo that as well. I usually don't think very deeply about things. I was never good at English class. Um, I always had really, I had a hard time analyzing things. So doing this podcast was definitely a way to step out of my comfort zone. Okay. I don't want to say that I never think deeply about things, but definitely items of media or books or TV or whatever. I kind of just watch it to escape and to enjoy. But, um, seeing as the show meant a lot to both of you, that was, I don't know. It felt special that you, you took me along for this ride. We'll just put it that way. But yeah, thanks for uh, having me. I want to thank both of you and the listeners for putting up with my over-analyzation of everything. Uh, I think it's no secret that when it's like, you know, not to get too serious. Like, whenever a guest says that, you know, I don't want to get too serious here. I had already <laughs> taken it to 11 at that point. <laughs> so, you know, what can you do? Yeah, but I think that was definitely not a bad thing. I mean, because... If you just had me, it wouldn't go deep enough. If it was like just me and Colby, we'd he'd talk about sports metaphors that I wouldn't understand. But then when we have all three of us, I feel like we definitely like, you know, we, we sort of had a level for a lot of different listeners. Like I was sort of like the beginning level, Colby was intermediate, and you were definitely like advanced thinking about, you know, how this show ties back to the greater world at large. And Colby, I'm not saying you didn't do that, but I think Ariel did it. Um, more often so yeah no i feel like we made a really great team in that sense also i just really tried to make martha cry just now and it didn't work and i'm a little upset about it but we can move on to the last thing <laughs> i i felt a tickle in my i saw throat. it <laughs> um i sorry i didn't die so i'm not crying on this podcast uh wait till we end maku though that might that might get me uh yeah, oh, it's so- coming again and harder <laughs> <laughs> Not because this podcast didn't mean more. It's just I've been doing that one longer. So uh, one thing I wanted to talk about before we, you know, say our final goodbyes and and what we're on next is what's your recommendations? What other shows uh, do you think we should watch? What other books do you think we should read? Uh, What is on your to-do list? Um, Either of you can go first. I have to, I only really have one answer because I'm a. Um, I can go first. Sure. There are two shows that I think of um, that are not created by the creators of the show because I figured that you would see them. Think of something put wrong. Is it um, One Piece? No, I don't. I try not to recognize. Recognize. I try not to recommend One Piece to people because then it sounds like I'm a, you know, I'm a just a person obsessed, which I am. To be fair, I am Charlie Day at the at the pin board when it comes to One Piece. Um, no. Uh, there are two shows on different sides of the spectrum to where Avatar is the if, if Avatar is aligned for like that serious kids show, right? That kind of balance between being a, a really good show 
and also being a kid's show. The underneath it, which is more kid's show than really good show, is Troll Hunters on Netflix, which I mentioned last week, produced by Guillermo del Toro, where the main, main character is voiced by Anton Yelkin. Um, just about this kid who he gets this medallion that, that gives him the responsibility of being the troll hunter, which is kind of like the protector of, of these people. And traditionally, that role goes to a troll. And it's very like superhero life balance Peter Parker esque, but there's a lot of fantasy elements. There's trolls. Um, the voice cast is is really great. Kelsey Grammer makes is is in it. Um, Ron Perlman is in it. Anton Yelkin. I can't remember a bunch of other voice actors. Uh, Stephen Young is in it, uh, playing the blue eyes, blonde haired bully. Weirdly enough. Um, and on the other side of that spectrum, something that Colby recently started is Full Metal Alchemist. Um, more adult than Avatar. Uh, I personally like it more. I would not blame somebody for liking Avatar more. Um, but but yeah, that's kind of more on like the... To me, that's like... That's kind of this... It's less for kids, but also a great animated show. Uh, yeah, for me, I am going to recommend The Hollow... Uh, two seasons on Netflix, which is a different kind of animated show. But I also think that I think people who like Avatar uh, would also like The Hollow, and it stands up to an adult audience because I didn't start watching it till last year. Um, so I recommend The Hollow, and I know you said you um, didn't want to recommend any um, anything from the creators, um, like Dragon Prince, um, which has the creator of Dragon Prince. All sorts of problems there. Um, I did watch it. I did not know about the problems then. It's it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. If you're looking, really looking for something to watch. Um, but Voltron Legendary Defender on Netflix. Um, one of the executive producers is Joaquim Dos Santos, um, who was a writer on Avatar The Last Airbender. And... Talk about learning all of the lessons from from Avatar. Just it, it takes the good things that Avatar did, and it capitalizes on them. And aside from one thing that I'm thinking of, um, navigates all the pitfalls that Avatar had. Um, I really love Voltron. Um, also has Steven Yeun <laughs> because he's okay. in every animated Damn. show apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it has 78 episodes, so it's a, it's a lot to dive into. Um, but yeah, Colby, you know how many episodes One Piece has? <laughs> so many. Is, is it over, like over? I know it's over 900. It's over 900, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's too much. But is it only 30 minutes though? I can do it. Yeah, no, I got twenty three minutes per episode. Oh yeah, no problem. Um, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go with two examples. I was thinking about recommending a book, but since this is a TV no, show, no, go podcast, ahead, recommend a book because I was uh, thinking about recommending a book. All right, so, so I'll do three things then. So the first thing I want to recommend is the show on Apple TV. It's called Mythic Quest, and I don't think enough people watch it because it's by the creators of It's Always Sunny. Um. 
none of Mac. people watch it is because it's on Apple Plus. <laughs> well, that's also probably true. I will give you my login. If you want to watch Mythic Quest, DM me and we'll I'll give you my login. Uh but I it's with uh, Mac is the main character. His name is Ian. And the reason you need to watch it is because there is an episode, I think it's episode five of the first season, and it's with Jake Johnson and uh, Kristen Malati, and it ripped it ripped me in half. It's 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 a story of you know what came before this video game, uh, their relationship, and I watched it with uh, my boyfriend, and and we were just sort of starting to date, and I was like, oh sh- crap, I'm crying. Like uh, this is too early in the relationship to cry. But uh, one of the top ten episodes of TV of all time. And the second thing I wanted to recommend is Fast and Furious 9 is coming out. So I would encourage you to watch um, 1 through 8. Uh, I'm being serious. I don't know why you're laughing. Um, I know you're being serious and that's why I'm laughing. (laughs) (laughs) I would personally skip 1 and 2. You can start with Tokyo Drift. You can skip 4 and then I would watch 5, 6, 7, and 8. Tokyo Drift because a character in there is coming back, which we're all very excited for. And then the final thing I wanted to recommend is this book called Song of Achilles, and it is sort of based on the Greek mythology of, you know, Achilles. Uh, I listened to it as an audiobook. Again, very touching, um, a little bit dense, dense subject material, but it's uh, it's like that tweet Ariel posted um, yesterday. It's it's the MLM, but not, not the multi-level marketing type <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> of type of book so yeah i I think we feel like we've covered the gamut lots of recommendations for everyone also i am very serious about fast and furious nothing can come between me and that um that's it that's it well no no one more thing um where can we hear you where can we see you where can we find you um what are you up to next after this i mean i've never ended a podcast before so i feel like we need to like market in some way um so colby what what are you up to next yeah you can find me on uh martha and colby grow up um that podcast will go on forever um so you can listen to that one you can listen to is that a joke i don't know is it Anyway, <laughs> Never Made Varsity, um, which is kind of on a little hiatus for now. Um, probably coming back NBA Finals. Maybe we'll do some um, Olympics type of thing. Um, and then come back strong for football season once that rolls around. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. Uh, talking about whatever is striking my fancy at the moment. We're about to hit the summer, which means that this is when people start following, not realize that from August through February, I only tweet about football, and then they're very confused. People don't realize that? Uh, So get it in um, before I start complaining about um, Sam Darnold. Remember when you weren't Colby Complains for a while? Yeah, for a little bit. It was a failed experiment. Ariel, um, what are you up to next? So I am going to start a new podcast. Oh, uh, this because, is news. Yeah. This, so this is the first like public 
announcement of this podcast. I have two guests lined up already. Colby, I'd love to have you on soon. Sorry, Martha, this is not um, for you, not personal. Uh, you'll see in a second. <laughs> it's a podcast called Press Off the Boat. And it will be a podcast about getting people of color that are creators to come on and talk about the things that they are doing, writers, podcasters, and such. And um, it's just like a it's just a way to promote like works by people of color that maybe need to get more of an audience, get more community. I feel like I have so many friends who are writers, podcasters, musicians, actors, you know, like I just, I know people who like make EPs and, 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 and start new projects and write books and all these things. And they just don't know about each other. It's like, well, you know what we should, we should create this community. We should find our tribes and we should get the word out. And so press off the boat, um, for all of you out there who don't know, um, fresh off the boat is a, uh, is a phrase shortened to fob, which I don't want to say it's a slur. Colby, would you say it's a slur? I, don't ask me. Don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I can't comment on that. Um, I mean, but but you know, you guys don't know this, but I, I was up until I was like five or six, I was raised by my grandparents, and I had a Filipino accent, and I was made to feel ashamed for having that accent. It was called a fob. And I learned getting older that fob means fresh off the boat. And, uh, and so I'd love to take that, right? So I'd love, you know, so I'd love to take this newspaper theme that we took with Four Nations Report, take it, transfer it to this particular podcast, maybe someday down the road. Who knows if I feel like making another website. Um, but yeah, so that's a new podcast that I am currently working on now. Well, that sounds exciting. I'm very excited for you. Um, that sounds yeah you're right i'm white i can't contribute to that so <laughs> you can uh, come on pop culturist it's okay yeah <laughs> that's fine Shrek. yeah so you yeah you can definitely find me on pop culturist whenever i get the motivation to record an episode about the iconic 2001 movie shrek we also have spy kids there's like two i think it just needs to be like a 2001 episode because there are so many good movies that came out in 2001 um but in the meantime, you can find me on my Etsy shop, Media Maven Martha. I have a couple of things going on. Uh, I have Twilight shirts coming. Um, I know everyone's very excited about that. Uh, you can find me on Martha and Colby Grow Up. It will never end. It's the podcast that never ends. And if I start it, I'll be on Graceland Memorial Podcast, where we go through each episode of Grey's Anatomy, 352 episodes and counting, and five years, I believe it'll take us if we do one a week. So... I can't wait three years from now where you ask me to jump on this podcast with me never seeing an episode. I, I'm just going to run Anatomy out of before. guests. I'm just going to run out of guests. Be like, oh, have you seen Grace Anatomy? <laughs> no, I haven't, but I, <laughs> I'll do this podcast anyway. You, you guys can come on the first episode and be like, yeah, what do you think this show is about? Yeah, that's no, a good I, episode. What do we think this show is about? And then you try and tell us and convince us to watch it. And we both say no. Hey, I, I know I know Arizona and, and Cali. Okay, I, I know I'm surprised the, you know Arizona and Cali. That's like I some know that's a thing. deeper cuts. Yeah, Cali O'Malley, married. I George, know Sandra O is in it. Sometimes. Yeah, she left. Sandra, there. I posted an article today in our little group, group Slack, and it was a uh, 
Sandra O oh is asked if she wants to come back for season 18 of Grey's Anatomy, and she said no. <laughs> 18, oh my god. Oh yeah, we're on season 18. Uh, this is a COVID season, but it did just get picked up for one more. So anyways, that is all I have to talk about. Um, again, thank you both so much for going on this journey with me. I may log off and start crying, so maybe we should yes. end it now. Um, <laughs> well, you won't know. I'm not going to tell you. But uh, again, thank you both so much. And this was a fun time. You can find me on Twitter at Marth underscore Vader on various podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Portly Island Boy. And, uh, of course, find us on Pop Culture's Hub, where we are sure to be getting on that feed more now that we are no longer on this one. <laughs> yeah, see you on the internet. Thank you for listening to the Four Nations Report in its entirety. This is our final episode on this feed. Thanks for listening. We'll see you around.